0: This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, the connection between chronic stress and type two diabetes.
1: In my clinic, I ask folks, you know, what do you do to de-stress? What do you do to relax? And it's interesting that about half of the individuals can't name a single thing that they do to relax.
0: How stress makes diabetes worse when Radio Health Journal returns.
2: I'm Reed Pence, the producer and host of Radio Health Journal. If you like listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints.
3: My parents, like so many Holocaust survivors, didn't really start talking about their experiences until maybe 50 years later.
1: The
2: Untold Stories of the Holocaust.
3: If you get an email from Winnie
0: Mandela, that's not a bad day, is it? That's a fun thing to happen. One man's mission to scam the scammers. I'm Marty Peterson.
2: And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Radio Health Journal and Viewpoints on your favorite radio station. And subscribe and listen anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal.
0: 55-year-old Janice Harris of Columbus, Ohio, was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes about 30 years ago. She's pretty good about taking care of herself.
3: I test about two to three times a day, and it just depends on what time of day it is. Usually morning, I don't do anything, just testing to see what my base rate is for the day, my fasting. And usually I test before meals. And before I go to bed.
0: So when something happens to change her blood glucose levels, Janice notices the difference. Like when COVID-19 hit and the country shut down.
3: I noticed, I think, during the pandemic when I was off work, it seemed like my blood sugars were a little bit more regular in that time.
0: The big difference? It wasn't her diet. But Janice says her stress levels were way down while she was off work.
3: During the pandemic, I was actually off work for about 11 weeks. And I really didn't eat well at all. I did a lot of sleeping. I would just kind of turn on my music and just relax and take a nap or just sleep later.
0: Janice is living confirmation of a study in the journal Psychoneuroendocrinology, which finds a clear link between the stress hormone cortisol and higher blood sugar levels in people with type 2 diabetes.
1: Cortisol is a hormone that is released from our adrenal gland. Uh, The adrenal gland sits right on top of the kidneys, Uh, and the cortisol is kind of the final effector of stress. So it's your body's kind of biological and physiological response to stress.
0: That's Dr. Joshua Joseph, assistant professor of medicine at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, who led the study.
1: Cortisol does a number of different things in the body. Important to this work, it actually goes to the pancreas and limits the ability of the pancreas to secrete insulin. As well as in the liver, it increases the production of glucose from the liver, a process we call gluconeogenesis. And then lastly, it makes it more difficult for the insulin that is produced to work in the body, a process we call insulin resistance. And that is important because insulin is the hormone that actually is responsible for taking the sugar out of the bloodstream and putting it into the muscle, the livers, the kidney, the heart, everywhere where sugar needs to go around the body in order to make energy.
0: Joseph's study shows that people with type 2 diabetes who are chronically stressed have an abnormal pattern of cortisol levels in the body. They stay elevated all day when they're supposed to have some peaks and valleys.
1: In the morning when we wake up, cortisol rises to a peak at about 30 to 45 minutes after awakening and then it declines throughout the rest of the day and is actually lowest overnight. If we're stressed, uh, there have been a number of studies to show that both stress and depression lead to, you wake up in the morning and then the cortisol is pretty flat across the day. It doesn't have that nice decline across the day in those who are stressed or who have depressive symptoms. It's really chronic stress that leads to a lot of the changes that we see. Any of us, like for instance, for myself, if I saw a bear in the woods, my cortisol is going to shoot up. Yours might not shoot up, but my cortisol is going to shoot up. But what we think about here is those chronic changes over time. And it's those chronic changes that really lead to an overall change in the cortisol profile across the day that is pretty consistent uh, over time for many individuals.
0: The long and short of it is that more chronic stress means more cortisol in the body all the time, which leads to higher glucose levels and potentially more difficulty in controlling type 2 diabetes.
1: I also see that clinically in the clinic when I'm treating patients with diabetes, that those with higher stress levels, it's more difficult to control the blood sugars, particularly at night.
0: But if someone has flat low levels of cortisol, will it still make diabetes worse? In other words, is it the flatness of the cortisol levels or their height?
1: what we showed was that they are both true. So that flat cortisol profiles were associated with higher glucoses, as well as those who had higher cortisol production, that was also associated with higher glucoses. So the way that I usually say that was that it's it's not only your cortisol exposure, but it is also the rhythmicity of the cortisol. Is it going up nicely and coming down nicely?
0: That means for people with diabetes, stress control may become as important as a healthy diet, exercise, exercise and weight loss.
1: For individuals with type 2 diabetes and really everyone, uh, we really have to add to our lives rituals that allow us to address stress. In my clinic, I ask folks, you know, what do you do to de-stress? What do you do to relax? And it's interesting that about half of the individuals can't name a single thing that they do to relax. And so we all have to add those things to our lives to lower our cortisol levels, but it is additionally important among individuals with type 2 diabetes.
0: Stressed people have also been shown in one study to be at a higher risk for developing diabetes in the first place. All the more reason to try to de-stress your life.
1: There is definitely a lot of work to show that there are many methods to lower your cortisol, and those include things like maintaining a healthy social support network with healthy relationships, engaging in regular physical activity and exercise, getting an adequate amount of sleep each night, the recommendation is seven to eight hours uh, for most people, relaxing using mindfulness, meditation, deep breathing, yoga, massage therapy, uh, and even listening to music. There are studies that show that music lowers cortisol, as well as eating a healthy diet and then spirituality.
0: Joseph's group at Ohio State is doing more studies on depressed people with diabetes to see how mindfulness and meditation may help. They're also looking at how stress may trigger the development of diabetes. You can find out more about all our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.org. You can also find archives of our segments there, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our studio producer is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson.
2: Radio Health Journal returns in just a moment. Detecting the brain
0: changes of Alzheimer's disease before symptoms appear can be done today only through expensive PET scans or spinal fluid tests. But researchers are homing in on a simple, inexpensive blood test that might spot changes up to 20 years before symptoms appear. Multiple studies presented at the Alzheimer's Association International Conference 2020 show that specific proteins are detectable in the blood as early as age 25 that correspond to the buildup of toxic tangles in the brain. Dr. Maria Carrillo is Chief Science Officer of the Alzheimer's Association.
3: These are early results, but they are encouraging. There is an urgent need for simple, inexpensive, and non-invasive diagnostic tools for Alzheimer's. An early blood test would allow people with Alzheimer's and those at risk to plan for the future, and it could speed drug development by identifying the right people for clinical
0: trials. Dr. Carrillo says the tests require further large-scale studies before they can be made widely available. Find out more at ALZ.org.
4: As college students head back to campus, COVID-19 will be their greatest health concern. But there are other major health issues they can't ignore. Some women will be selecting a method of birth control for the first time. Experts say that the number one contraceptive choice nationally, the birth control pill, is safe and effective. But hormonal birth control containing estrogen, including the pill, patch, or ring, can pose risks. Many young women are not aware that estrogen increases their risk for potentially deadly blood clots, especially if they have a clotting disorder, a previous blood clot, or a family history of them. That's why the National Blood Clot Alliance and the Alexandra Rowan Foundation urge women to visit womenandbloodclots.org. You'll find a risk assessment tool to review with your doctor to help determine your best contraception option, as well as information about the symptoms of potentially fatal blood clots. Know your risk and your options. Visit womenandbloodclots.org. That's womenandbloodclots.org. A new survey shows that the majority of American men over age 45 are prescribed medications for a wide variety of conditions, including a non-cancerous enlargement of the prostate, or BPH. It affects more than 40% of men in their 50s and more than 80% of men in their 70s. Dr. David Sussman of New Jersey Urology says the survey shows some men also worry about BPH medication side effects. 25%
1: of men surveyed who take BPH medication are unsatisfied with the drug's effectiveness and nearly a third have had unpleasant side effects, including headaches, dizziness, and erectile dysfunction. Ultimately, more than a quarter of men who took BPH medications had stopped taking them. Fortunately, there's a proven minimally invasive outpatient option for BPH called the Urolift System Procedure.
4: Common side effects are mild to moderate and typically resolve in two to four weeks. Results may vary. Visit Eurolift.com today to find a urologist near you and see if the Urolift system procedure is right for you.
2: And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.
0: Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal.
4: It's a huge list of information that we lose when we can't see the entire
2: face. The nonverbal communication we suddenly can't rely on when our smiles are hidden by face masks.
0: Then why mistaking a complex midfoot injury for a simple sprain happens so often?
2: It's the second most common injury in malpractice litigation against radiologists and emergency room physicians. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.